and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, from Jude verses 22 through 23, we'll see how to have spiritual steadiness in a climate of false teachers. Plus, we are called to a ministry of compassionate convincing and urgent evangelism. And now, with more from God's Word, here's Pastor Robert Elliott. I love the hymn that was selected tonight. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no more sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. You could take a hymn book like this one, and you could find hymns that talk about heaven, hymns that talk about the coming of Christ, hymn that talks about the kingdom of Christ on earth, and you could sing those in your times with the Lord. That's how you cultivate an eager expectation of Jesus' coming. There's a fifth aspect to this spiritual steadiness that's needed so you don't cave into false teachers, and it's something I'm calling compassionate convincing. Verse 22. Compassionate convincing. Verse 22. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Have mercy on some who are doubting. Apparently back then, as is the case tonight, there are sincere doubters, Christians who have honest questions, Christians who are seeking help and answers for their doubts. I was having lunch today in an area restaurant, and a believer came up to me with a sincere question. She's saved, but she's doubting something or questioning something, and she just wanted to know if there was an answer to it. Verse 22, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Compassionate, convincing. Apparently, we are called, friends, to a ministry of compassionate convincing for our brothers and sisters in the Lord who begin to doubt within a climate of false teachers. These are impressionable believers who in some degree have been duped into doubting truth because they've been sold some lies by their false teachers that they watch on television, perhaps. Not every Bible teacher on television is false, but a lot of them are. And they're almost a category to themselves called sincere doubters. And we're told to give these people compassionate, convincing effort, to be merciful to them, not to hit them over the head and scold them for having questions or doubts, but to take them to God's word and to show them their answers to their questions. The sixth thing we need to be living out as steady people who are not caving into false teachers is urgent evangelism. Urgent evangelism. Verse 23, save others, snatching them out of the fire. Like you, maybe I grill hamburgers all the time. Sometimes through the winter, but usually about now, it ratchets right up and we have hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill all the time. And uh, it's fun. Tastes good too. You know what happens when a hamburger patty falls through my grill and into the flame. I don't sit there going, oh, you're a goner. (laughs) 
I go, I know how much you cost. Come out of there. Come out of there right now. Don't write people off. Snatch them out of the fire. Urgent evangelism. People who have never trusted Christ for their salvation are as bad off as they possibly can be before a holy God, no matter what they give the United Way. No matter how nice a family they raised in minor sports in this area. People without Jesus Christ as Savior are going to hell. We have to snatch them out of the fire. They're called lost, dead, disobedient, objects of wrath, on the broad road that leads to destruction. They're called blinded, unbelievers. I had a funeral once. The person who died was near 90, a pillar of his community. I had a daughter who knew Christ as Savior. When I was planning the funeral, I asked her about her dad's standing with Jesus. She said, I don't know. I shared the gospel with him regularly, and every time I did, he said, I really didn't go to church much when I was growing up. What do you say at a funeral like that? Well, I'll tell you what I said, because I wanted to snatch people out of the fire. I said, I can't pretend to know what so-and-so did with Jesus Christ. But if there was a gorge in the road ahead of you in your car, and it dropped 300 feet, and I knew about it, and I was walking down the road, and you were racing toward the washout, and you knew nothing about it, I would stop you, and I would wave you down furiously, and I would warn you from going in the gorge. And that's what I'm doing in this funeral service for your loved one. I don't pretend to know what he did with Christ, but I do know he was straightforward and direct and neighborly, and I'm being like he was in those regards to tell you about heaven and hell and Christ. Snatch them out of the fire. J.B. Chapman writes, when we were in India in 1937, they told us of a professor in a Hindu university who, to the surprise of both Hindus and Christians, announced that he had become a Christian. Soon after his announcement, he went to a Christian church service on the Lord's Day. The minister asked the new convert to tell the people what he had found in Christianity that he could not find in Hinduism. The learned man said, If you expect me to make derogatory remarks about the ancient religion of my fathers, you will be disappointed. There are many good things in Hinduism. Their moral maxims are splendid and there is much to be admired. But if you have asked me to tell you what I found in Christianity that I could not find in Hinduism, I will tell you in a word, a savior. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Hi, good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and I am the youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. And this morning, we want to continue on our culture series. And we want to talk this morning about something that we all probably have and we all have seen, and it's social media. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be going through different questions and ask ourselves to challenge us as to how are we using social media. As we know, social media can be a, a great thing, a great tool to use, even for ministry. But we also know that social media can also be a curse because many people use it for bad language. They use it to attack people. But this morning, we want to look at what are you using social media for? According to Pew Research data, 92% of teens report going online daily. 71% of teens use more than one social networking site. 
Facebook is the most popular platform for teens, with the number of friends being an average about 300 friends. And it's not only teens on social media, as nearly three quarters of adults online use social media networking sites. As we know, social media has been capturing our time, our attention, and even souls of our children. So we have to ask ourselves, if social media is such a great tool, how can we use it for a negative? And as we see, social media can be a powerful platform for evangelism. It can be a platform for bringing honor and glory to God, to edify people, to even convict the lost. But as we know, even in social media, it can become an idol. It can become things that get in the way of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As we read those verses, we can see that this could be our premise of social media. We need to ask ourselves that question. What we are going to post, is it going to be edifying to God? It is something that we are, are giving glory to God in. Which brings us to the first question we want to look at. Are you seeking to glorify God through social media? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This is the foundational question of everything that we do in life. But as we bring it to social media, we have to ask ourselves, are we looking to seek to glorify God? As I said earlier, social media can be something that, that we use to encourage people. But we know that social media is something that is used to discourage people, to tear people down. We know that it's something that doesn't bring honor and glory to God, as God wants us as believers to bring honor and glory to Him at all times. In fact, I feel that sometimes, and especially in teenagers, we use social media in a way to hide behind, you know, to the public. We want to put it on social media when we think sometimes that we're hiding, we're hiding our words. But the reality is when we put it on social media, the whole world sees what we have to say. It's so easy to type something instead of talking to somebody face to face. It's so easy to beat around the bush and say something in a way that we're not really talking about a person, but everybody knows we're talking about the, that person. So the question becomes, are we glorifying God and what we are saying on social media? You know, there are many people who will even share on social media a lot of Bible verses and a lot of articles on, on their Christian faith, and, and this is great. But sometimes those same people, the next day, they will post something of a, a rap artist video or a, a quote from a, a rap artist. And the, and the question becomes, are we bringing honor and glory to God? Are we living two lives even on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram? Are we consistent in bringing honor and glory to God? Which brings me to another question, number two. Does social media lead you into sin? Matthew 5, 29 says, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than the whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, we may be thinking to ourselves, boy, that is going to an extreme. Are we saying that we must poke our eye out and throw it away? And even some uh, verses also says to cut off your arm. But we need to ask ourselves, what is social media doing for us? Is it helping us? Is it leading us into sin? Let's be honest. Sometimes we go on social media and we just look online to see what is everyone doing. In fact, when you look on Facebook, the first question they ask you is, what are you doing? 
type out what you're doing. And there are people who put their whole, you know, their whole life on social media, on Facebook. There are people who will tell you they're going to do this, they're going to do this, I just did this. But we have to ask ourselves, is it leading us into sin? Do we go on social media just to, you know, to, to bully people? Do we go on social media to indulge in sinful behaviors, looking at pictures that we know we shouldn't look at? Does it lead us astray from what we are trying to do as we should take time in studying God's word? I think that sometimes as we think of social media again, as we think of leading into sin, one of the biggest sins that we do is we just waste our time. As we spend so much time on social media instead of spending time into what God is trying to tell us. God tells in his word to sometimes just be still and know that I am God. But if we are all honest with ourselves, we can all sit and think of times that we have just wasted time on social media. We have wasted time in just looking at pictures just to see what's going on. And yes, there's nothing wrong with catching up on, with friends. And as, as for me, I have friends in the United States and around the world who I don't see face to face. But when it becomes that I spend more time doing this and I don't get other things done, it becomes an idol. It becomes a problem. Like I said, we're not talking about poking out your eye. But we have to ask ourselves, is it leading me to sin? Is it leading me in a path that I don't want to go down? I know sometimes for me, as I, I'm on social media and sometimes I read articles, I get frustrated. I get upset because I see what people are doing. And, you know, we need to understand that this is what leads us to sin as we get angry. We say things that we don't want to say. Which brings me to the final question we want to look at this morning. Does your speech build up or tear down? James 3.10 says, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. James 3.10 As I said earlier, there are many people who will share on Facebook a Bible verse, which is great. But the next day, they'll share a video from someone who we would not consider them to be a good Christian influence. Or we may see them indulge in a conversation that we know talking about somebody. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace on those who they hear. Social media is rampant with gossip, bullying, and complaining. Instead of conforming to the world, be a light and use your words to build up others. Know your weaknesses. Be on guard when someone posts something that pushes one of your buttons. You see, we need to understand that Psalms 19, 14, we need to take this in our, in our minds and our hearts as we get ready to post on. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Like I said, we need to ask ourselves before we post something, is this going to build up? Or is this going to tear down? We know we've all seen where people have been tearing down others on social media because it's so easy to put it into words. It's so easy to type it out. It's so easy to just, if everyone else is doing it, let me jump in on that conversation. But we need to understand that God wants us to, to recognize that we need to not be there to tear down others. He wants us to build up. He wants us to, to show grace to those. And we need to ask ourselves before we see something, if it pushes a button that we know that it's going to harm us, we need to just turn it off. We need to get away from it. James 3.10, as I said earlier, the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. 
And yes, I know as, as we think of the tongue, the tongue is deadly. And I know that some will say, well, when you're on social media, we're not using the tongue. But as we know that as we type, these are words that are coming out of our hearts and out of our mouths that reveal everything about us. So I challenge you this morning, if you're listening to this broadcast, and as we go through the next couple of weeks and just look at social media and unpack different questions as we ask ourselves, what are we using social media for? Are we using it to bring honor and glory to God? Is social media leading us into sin? And is social media building up or tearing down others? I would challenge you as you're listening to this broadcast and as we go through these next couple of weeks that we would truly search our hearts and search our minds and ask ourselves, is social media something that's become an idol in my life? Or am I truly using it for what God wants me to do to bring honor and glory to Him? I want to thank you for listening. Again, this is Pastor Nicholas, the youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. Thank you and have a good day. Well, I have my friend Patrick Rutherford of Precept Ministries with me this morning in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Rob. Thank you. Patrick, let's have a little visit and uh, let our listeners listen into our visit about your ministry. You are with, you are a full-time supported missionary of a, a ministry called Precept Ministries. And I wonder what you and your wife are doing with Precept. What is Precept's mission? Precept Ministries, uh, Pastor Rob, was started back in 1970. And the goal then is the goal today, which is to establish people in God's Word. That is a simple but a profound and a very important mission. Absolutely. Um, and why, why do you and Mona Lisa uh, want to be a part of that particular cause? Oh, Pastor Rob, when, we, when Mona Lisa and I look at the, the impact God's Word has had on our lives, uh, <laughs> there was a time I used to pray and I said, God, change Mona Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong prayer. <laughs> God says, I'm going to do better than that when change you, Patrick. I'm going to change you through, through the study of my Word. And the cool thing about it is that when Mona Lisa and I started studying inductively together, boy, were we so... <laughs> there was so much change that was needed in our lives. And Pastor, we weren't living bad per se, but it was more in our thought process. Um, I didn't know what it was to lead my family as a man or to love my wife as a husband or even with the rearing of the children. But God's Word shows you, it tells you. Yes, it does. God's Word coaches us, and that's where the transformational work comes in, from the inside out. Um, and so, you know, I don't want people to think that, you know, there was some drastic sin in my life that was, that was pending and looming over my head, but a lot of it was my thought. Um, think, about, think about hatred. Ooh, especially uh, us, us, Many of us here in the Bahamas, we, we, we hold uh, hate badges. Uh, wow. And it's, it's, a, it's a sin that festers and festers and festers and festers and it eats away at us. But boy, what a beautiful thing when you can go to God's Word and God's Word says, no, let it go. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're getting coaching from the highest authority possible. Absolutely. Right. Uh, what is the nature of your ministry? What do you do? What we do is we come alongside the church. We are a parachurch organization. We come alongside the church, regardless of denomination. And with the blessing of the leadership, we teach people how to study the Bible. Ideally, we'd love to teach the leadership how they can in turn turn around and teach their own people 
how to study the Word of God. So right now, from as far south as Guyana, Trinidad and Barbados, uh, Grenada, St. Vincent, St. Lucia, and a few islands moving up, Jamaica, uh, the Caymans, the Bahamas, Bermuda, uh, all of those islands, we have people on there studying and leading inductive Bible studies on their own without our influence. We're simply coaches. Wow, that's that's a lot of impact yes, sir. for the glory of God. So yes. your particular slice of that pie is the, uh, the Caribbean. Is, is that what you just named to me, those places, all of them? That is correct. Wow, that how exciting. Correct. What a multiplicational uh, ministry of God's Word. I'm, I can see why you're excited. Um, how do you do what you do? You talk about lo coming alongside a local church. <laughs> well, in the Caribbean region, it's all about relationships. So we spend a lot of time meeting with pastors, church leaders, Leaders, men's groups leaders, women's groups leaders, youth leaders, and really getting into their lives uh, as it relates to how they transmit God's word to their people. Uh, uh, those relationships grow from there. Well, once they know what we do, which is an area of Bible study, and I, uh, I shouldn't say it like this, Pastor, but sometimes we have to take that threat out of ministry because there are a lot of ministry work going on within the body of Christ. Some good, some not so good. Yes. And so that pastor, that church leader has to get comfortable with us, know who we are, um, know of our intent. And so that relationship building time takes some time. But once we do... Uh, we're able to begin to do the work that God's called us to do, which is simply showing that man of God, that woman of God, how to, with some simple tools, take God's word. And uh, within a matter of time, a short time, they're able to uh, say, wow, I know what God's word says. Wow, that's... <laughs> possibly no finer statement to be able to say that and it was true yes 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 um, I'm sure because God's word is active and powerful mm -hmm. and he said that it won't go out except it accomplish that for which he's purposed uh -huh. you have lots of success stories but would you just tell us one that comes to mind ooh immediately uh, there's a brother in Barbados who called us uh, recently uh, spent six years in seminary school and had never been taught formal Bible study skills, mm. graduated, uh, I won't call the name of the institution, and uh, he was uh, ministering to his uh, congregation and felt like he was cheating them, wasn't giving them enough, and he stumbled under precept, precept called me, we called him, we went down there, uh, and we simply, I'm going to use your word, Pastor Rob, we unpacked Psalm 23. Mm -hmm. And to see this pastor's face, he said, we got all of that <laughs> out of Psalm 23? <laughs> no. Um, I know a pastor in Eleuthera, on the island of Eleuthera, who was awfully mean to his wife. Vicious. They would argue at a moment's notice in public and private. Awful. And he agreed, he and his wife agreed to meet with Mona Lisa and I for Bible study. And before long, as they were able to see the truths of God's word, Pastor Rob, 
This brother was going up into the bushes looking for flowers for his wife. Wow. He saw from God's word where he was living a life of sin wow. as it relates to how he treated his wife. Those are wonderful examples. I hope we give God glory for them. Absolutely. If there's a listener, Patrick, who maybe Calvary Bible Church is not their church, but they have their own church, mm-hmm. and they're thinking, boy, our church could benefit from, from this kind of an approach. Um, what might they do respecting their pastor Absolutely. and leadership of their church? What might they do? Well, Pastor Rob, there are a number of things they can do. First of all, pray. Um, cry out and, and ask God what you should do, number one. Number two, uh, we offer a number of classes around town. Uh, right now, at present, we're teaching through Joshua uh, at Telios. Um, there are a number of churches here on the island that uh, are using uh, the inductive method here at Calvary. There are a couple of Sunday school classes that are going on. Uh, the, the women's group through the week uh, are, are studying inductively. And then there are a few churches around town. Um, I'm not sure if I should call names, um, but uh, a few churches around town that are uh, studying inductively. But the best way to find out it would simply be to give us a call at the office. Wonderful. What's your phone number? Uh, 225-7100. 225-7100. I encourage you to phone that number. Talk more with Patrick or Mona Lisa, his wife. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. Thank you. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.